Welcome to the Faith Renewed Podcast. I'm Pastor Terry Rogers, and I want to thank you for listening to this message. If you want to learn more about Faith Renewed, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Well, good morning, Faith Renewed. Oh, that's weak. I've heard privates do it after a 10-mile march, do better than that. So try it again. Good morning. Good morning. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. All right. Sounds good to me. I, have, uh, I and Nora have been blessed this morning to be able to, uh, to speak on this pastor appreciation. And we have wonderful pastors. Yes. Now, you say, oh, wait, 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 pastors? Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Now, I know that you, you always, ah, it's Brother Terry. No, 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 no. He doesn't get up in the morning unless his other half is kind of pushing him out of bed and getting him straightened up. And, you know, uh, when, when the Bible says when you get married, the two become one. Okay, and so when you get into ministry, uh, you're still one. It's not two, it's one. And you're not getting one free either. Okay, I've been around the block a long time now. And uh, almost uh, 45 years, I've been a, a minister or pastor in a whole lot of different ways. And uh, the Lord has blessed me and uh, we pastored uh, two congregations of over 5,000 people. And so the Lord has uh, blessed us in that way. But I've never seen a ministry so unique as here at Faith Renewed. Uh, it, it's an amazing ministry where people come in and they get healed of all kinds of things. And then they're released either back out into the world and into the place of ministry or they are released to do ministry here. It's an amazing thing. And I am proud in that I am a part of this ministry and I'm, a pr I'm proud that uh, I have known your pastor before he was born. Yeah, amen. Because I know his mama and daddy. And uh, I, knew his, uh, I knew his brothers when they were babies. And... Uh, yeah, even David was a baby at one time, you know. That's his oldest brother. So uh, it, it's, it's a privilege for us to be here today and to be able to talk uh, about pastors. And I want to talk to you a little while this morning. And um, he's, he knows most of this stuff, but I want him to hear it again. And I want Angel to hear it again because they know they do this stuff. But I want you to hear it also this morning as we talk about what is a pastor? You know, what is the role of a pastor? What do they do? And, and, and you know, we've got so many misconceptions in this life about what a pastor really is. And so I, first of all, took a passage out of the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. You've got it on those pieces of paper. Now, the reason I gave you those pieces of paper is because for the last 10 years, I've been a, a professor of New Testament studies at Holmes Bible College. So when I retired from the military, I thought, well, I was going to go, you know, I'm going to go take up another pastorate and I'm going to preach and whoo, do all kind of wild and crazy things. And the Lord sent me there to pastor and to teach other pastors and missionaries and evangelists and, 
educators and all of that sort of stuff. And so uh, I, I love that kind of work and I'm enjoying that. So you this morning are in my classroom. And that's the reason I've given you that paper. For one thing, you're going to put it in your Bible when you're finished here. Okay? And you're going to stick it in there and you're not going to lose it. Because so many times we forget what people say afterwards. And you're going to fill in the blanks. And then at the end of the service, we're giving you a test. <laughs> no, no test. But we are going to give you some things. And, and we have found out through learning that if you write, and you can doodle on these papers too. Nora is the world's best doodler. Okay, so she, she gets into doodling while she's taking notes. She takes all these notes, but it helps you to learn and to think and to process better than any other thing that we can do. Okay, so this morning I want you to uh, write as we go along. Now, I went to the uh, cultural hive mind of our world. Uh, another word, that's another word for or phrase for internet. And so I looked up what it means to be a pastor. To many Christians. He is the guy who stands in the pulpit once a week and delivers a message. And some will ponder and talk about that message later on in their homes. Others will feel good about the message for a little bit if it's positive or feel guilty and convicted for a little while if it is negative. Then go on their day and their lives. To some Christian, he's a counselor. Uh, they go to him because they are hurting. They go because they need help. They go because a good friend told them that they needed to get their lives in order. Some people have well-known pastors, and they use them as a marketing tool, telling everybody how they love their pastor. That's my pastor. You wouldn't believe how many people that I, I've talked to in, in, in my life that their pastor was someone like, David Jeremiah. And I said, when was the last time you went to his church? Uh, I watch him on television. I say, you get a lot that way? Yeah. Is he going to come and preach your funeral when you die? Does, is he doing weddings for you? Does he have a real relationship? No, but I, I saw him downtown one time. Does he know you? No. How about John Maxwell? Yeah, he's my pastor. Whoa, 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 man. He teaches us leadership and all those kind of things. It's just great and wonderful. Do you know him, though? Nora and I pastored a church in Campobella, South Carolina, years ago. And it wasn't even in Campobella. It was six miles outside of Campobella in the middle of the peach orchards up there. But there was four of the biggest old Baptist churches you will ever see in that area. So every time I went and I was talking to people, you know, I said, where'd you go to church? Well, I go to uh, Motlow. That was one of them. Motlow Baptist Church. I said, that's good. I said, how do you like your pastor there? Oh, I love him. You know, he's been my friend for years and years and years. And I said, wait a minute. Didn't y'all get a new pastor just six months ago? Oh, That kind of thing happens all the time. Some people see their pastors as a person who directs the church's vision. They associate everything that goes right and wrong <laughs> in the church with him. My goodness, did you hear that music this morning? Let me tell you something. That was good this morning. I enjoyed that. You sang your song. 
Well, we went to the same school. I went to Carolina for one whole year. I was so bad they sent me to Southside. So anyhow, <laughs> we are alumnus of Carolina in some way, you know. So I, I learned to speak properly at Carolina. So anyhow, we, we, we have this, you know, uh, singing that you guys put on. Ben, you did good this morning. Yeah. Adam, not bad, brother. Not bad. <laughs> A little more practice on that piano, I think you'll have it down. <laughs> but anything that goes wrong, whether it's moving instruments around, someone don't like it, the lights are too bright or too dim, whatever, it, these guys don't catch it. It goes to them. That preacher. Do you know what preacher means? It means proclaimer. One who tells a story. So we're all supposed to be preachers, you know? But, but when someone has something against the pastor of the church, they change. They no longer call him pastor. Now they call him preacher. How many times have you been called preacher? About 10 million? Uh, 45 years, I bet I've been called a thousand times preacher. Preacher! And then when you, got, you get to talking about what a preacher really is, then they don't like it anymore because they found out they're supposed to be somebody that proclaims the message too. So let me tell you something. Look at me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Now point at your head and say this. I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. All right. Not one of them's ordained, but they're all preachers, you know. But that's all right because, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. So we got all these people in this world that we want to associate ourselves with in, as pastors. But what does the Bible say? The book of Ephesians chapter 4 tells us what it's all about. Can you hold that for me? Mm -hmm. Chapter 4 says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some in the ESV, which I gave you this morning, says what? Shepherds. That's a correct way of interpreting that. Or pastors and teachers. Now, personally, in my translation, the way I work, the translation of that scripture, pastor and teacher always goes together. You will have teachers that are not pastors, but you'll never or you should never have a pastor that's not a teacher. And, and, and because we're brothers, Bubba, you're not bad. Okay, you're a good teacher, and I appreciate that. Okay, because sometimes I go into churches and I get bored, and I'm ADD. Don't mess with me with, with my ADD. If you're not a good preacher or a teacher, I click off, and Nora will be sitting there, and she says, What are you doing? And I said, I'm studying. You're not listening? No, I left him a long time ago, <laughs> but I'm ADD. You know, and, and I'm dyslexic. So if, if, oh, we won't even go down that road. <laughs> so anyhow, as you, as you look today and you, you see this wonderful couple that we have a, as pastors here. In this world in which we live, we have a changing uh, uh, idea of what pastors are supposed to do. I heard a pastor not too long ago go, go stand in his pulpit and he was talking and he says, I am no longer the pastor of this church. I am the CEO of this church. And I go, wow, where's that at in the Bible? 
I don't see. See, all of these are offices. And he says there's apostles and there's prophets and there's evangelists and there's pastor teachers. And if you want to quip, you know, you can go pastors and teachers, separate them if you want to. I, I'm not. But those are the only ministry gifts that are mentioned here as far as these offices are concerned. There's lots of ministries and there's lots of gifting, but these are the four that he's talking about here. These are the offices in the church. And let me tell you something else. They're held by elders because in a church, a church is supposed to have elders and deacons. We call them all kinds of things. That's all right, as long as we know. Deacons serve in the context of the church. My father was a deacon. You knew my dad. He was a deacon in the church. He, they call him councilman there uh, at, at the church we grew up in. But that's what he was. And he served. He loved serving in the house of God. He was not called a minister uh, to uh, be an elder of the church. He was called to be a deacon in the church, one who serves inside the context of that local church. And so he had many jobs that he did. And he did them faithfully. And that's how I learned faithfulness to the church. And so each one of these uh, offices here are filled by the elders in the church. Let me come to that in just a minute. Let me say one other thing before I go any further. Every one of these words are in the neutral in the Greek. It's not male and it's not female. It's in the neutral. Do you know what that means? either male or female, can be in that office. Okay? So, as we look at this, and we see and we know that all these changes are taking place, what does the Bible tell us about uh, a pastor? What is, what is his work? What is he called to do? Well, the book of Psalms, the 23rd chapter, tells us that he is to guard and guide. You ought to read that today. Because when we're attacked, he goes to war for us. He stands up there and says, okay, devil, come on. I'm going to show you the left foot of fellowship. You're out of here. You're not going to mess with my family. You're not going to mess with my people. I'm the shepherd of this flock, and I'm standing guard through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to work as a pastor in this, in this church. Okay. So as, as we, we come to the scripture, it says pastor, and, and that word pastor is only used here. It's only translated pastor here. It's translated other things in different places. But a pastor is a person called to relationship, called to walk with God and man, called to be a person who stands at the crossroads of life. Man, I've had pastors that have helped me just as I, I come to a place and I'm having to make a decision and I don't want to make that decision. I don't want to go down that other road. But I come to that place and there's a pastor and he takes me or she takes me and they pray for me and they give me guidance and I move forward. I did not want to be a pastor. Louis. If you can do anything else in this world besides being a pastor, do it. But if you're called to be a pastor, there's nothing else you can do. 
because it burns inside of you to help people, to minister to people, to, to reach out and, and to be there for people, be at the crossroads of life for people. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a pediatrician. And I was three and a half years into my program at Clemson University and said, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to pastor. I'm going to show you God. And I took off for a year and ran. And I was in Memphis, Tennessee in my room and I couldn't fight God anymore. And I said, yes, God. I'll do what you want me to do. He didn't talk to me again for three weeks. <laughs> and I was in Troy, Michigan then. I had a whole group of salesmen in Troy, Michigan that I, that I was the manager over. And, and so I was up there, and this guy comes around. He, he begins to tell everybody, this is what you're supposed to be doing, you want to do. This is what you want to spend your money on. This is what you want. He was telling everybody. He got around to me. He says, I don't have a clue why you're here. Now, he's a backslidden preacher son. If I was to give you his name, you'd know him. Backslidden preacher son. And he says, I don't know why you're here. And I said, I don't either. <laughs> and so the next morning I left and I went home. And I got a job working. And three months later, I met. Mm. You know what I told her? I said, you know, I was dating several other girls, and I am not dating several other girls, six, okay, but they, they all had different places they'd go with me, I didn't take, you know, you, you had your ball game girls, and you had your concert girls, and you know, all back that Back on of stuff. subject, Mr. Freeman, so back on I'm, subject. I'm, I'm backing off on that, so anyhow. But, but when, I, when I met her, when I met her, that was it. I didn't look any further. And all those other girls passed away. Uh, not dead, you know. <laughs> they all passed away. I better come back up here. So I'm going to come back up here, she says. So anyhow, at that moment, I met her. And all of those other young ladies, they, they passed out of sight. And I met this, you know, this beautiful strawberry blonde, gorgeous gal in school. And Nora says I'm taking all her time. She's still in charge after all these years. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 says these three things and put them down. Okay? A pastor equips saints. A pastor edifies the body. That means build it up. That's the reason he's always going around doing this to you. Hey, man, give me some. Woo! You feel good today? Y'all, man, I'm... You know? He's always encouraging you. He's always building you up. He's always talking to you. He's always there doing something. I watch him. And he's doing that. But that's what he's supposed to do. Then, also, it says you got to speak the truth in love. That's not easy. You know, Paul did that to the Galatians, and then he had to write them in fourth chapter of Galatians. It says, Paul says, am I your enemy now because I speak to you truth? 
But he's supposed to speak to you in agape. He's supposed to speak the truth to you. That word agape means he loves you so much that he seeks the best for you. So here's this servant leader and he's coming along beside you and he's walking in the spirit and he's walking in the word and the church has acknowledged that he's a leader in the church. Let me give you one other thing for a bonus on that one. He's to train God's people in that truth. You know what that is? That's called discipleship. He is to make disciples. Wait a minute. Isn't he supposed to be out there painting the church? Cutting the grass? Cleaning the toilets? I've done all that, haven't I? Yeah. You know, there used to be a saying, I don't know if they still have this anymore, but uh, here was the prayer of some church members. Lord, you keep him humble. We'll keep him poor. And so they made you do it. They wanted you to do all that work within the church. And then they didn't want to pay you anything either. So here we have this person who equips and he edifies and he speaks and he trains and that's his job. That's his, that's what Paul is talking about. That's what the Holy Spirit is bringing to us today. That's what he's to, to, to do. And he's ordained. He's according to scripture, he's an ordained elder. We don't call him that here. Don't get all wrapped up around that. It means that God has acknowledged him and called him and the church recognizes that calling. He's not called to be the janitor of the church. He's called to be a tested leader, a steward in the house of God, according to 1 Peter chapter 5. He's called to administrate. That means to oversee the workings within the context of the church. He's supposed to be an instructor and a teacher. But this is a special person because you see there is a general calling that all of us receive by the Holy Spirit to do the ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. There's a general calling that we're supposed to do, but then there's specific callings. And you have that. And there's others in this room that have that. And you're wrestling with it right now. You're going, oh God, I know I'm cold, but Lord, I don't want to do that. Do you see how they treat people that are called pastors in this world and I don't want to do it? God says, do it. And every person that's called is called differently. Moses had a burning bush. David had lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Jeremiah was called as a child. Isaiah was standing in the temple of God in a vision. Peter, John, James, those guys, they were fishing when they received a call. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Some of you are sitting back there and, and pastor, you're going to see this and you're going to go, man, I'm going to have to send another couple out multiplying of the ministry that you have here. They're called. They're going to go someplace. Mm, I'm about finished. I'm going to give this to Nora. The character of this man of God or woman of God, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, they are 
And, and, and listen, these character things that I'm going to speak, they are guidelines for the church because you have to be with him in this walk. You have to, he has to be accountable to somebody. And it's to the body, not one person. We went to a church that every seven years, they thought it was God's calling upon their life to get rid of the pastor. Whether he's doing a good job or not. Oh, I got things to say, but I won't. Nora wants to speak. Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 says that these are the guidelines for the church to acknowledge, but they're also checkpoints for your own personal life to be above reproof. That means the enemy cannot lay hold on you or apprehend you because of strongholds in your life. You must be faithful to one wife. Amen, angel. And if you're the pastor, you got to be faithful to one husband. One and one only. Not one at a time, you know, just... No. One, you must live wisely. That means live out and live wisdom every day of your life. Be hospitable. Able to teach. Man, that keeps coming up, doesn't it? Not a drinker or drunkard. Maxwell, John Maxwell says in his study Bible, that when you look at that scripture, you see that he is to be the shepherd of the flock, a minister. He's to invest in that flock, a mentor. He is to be the one who oversees the flock. That means he manages the flock. And he's to be the example to the flock. He's to be a model. These are the things that a pastor is, biblically. Don't take him beyond that. Don't make him the janitor of the church. Don't make him do everything. And if you've got a job to do, this is what I used to tell my people. They'd come up, we need to do this ministry. I saw this and we really need to do it. And you say, really? You know, God put that on your heart. I think you need to start that. And I'll help you, but you need to do that. You don't have a person come back to you the second time if you do that. Nora, come on, share. I want to go to Hebrews. This is where I want to start this morning. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's, that's to the body. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. 
The body of Christ needs the body of Christ. So I'm going to speak to the re relational aspect of the body. This passage right here really is a, a snapshot of what it means to be a part of the body and to be in submission to those that are in leadership of the body. This church is a unique place, and I'm sure every one of you can um, probably share different things about them. Matter of fact, I've even thought maybe next pastor appreciation, that's what should happen. Just times for people to be able to stand up and speak their hearts to you because they'd always get the, the, the time nor the opportunity to actually do that. And I know you guys are not super comfortable about being acknowledged. I know that. It's like, man, I know you people love us, but come on. But I really think it's so super important that people, when we're in relationship with one another, that we actually give the opportunity to share what it is that these people have done for you, what those in leadership have done for you. Lamont and I have been in many places over the years. And there have been times, guys, that um, because of insecurities of pastors and because of um, insecurities of other leaders within the church, we have not always been embraced. Matter of fact, we've, all, we've been like, uh, y'all got to go sit over there somewhere. But I want to say publicly, and I know Lamont feels the same way, the two of you, <laughs> we've been here a little over two years now, the two of you are such a father and a mother to this house. You guys got to have some agreement with you. And I want to say that there are not those that in the body of Christ that are called into the pastorate can be comfortable enough to do that. I've watched you father. I've watched you mother again and again and again and again to people who are broken, to, pe to pastors, ministers who have been um, misused at many times. And then here they come into this unique body and they're loved on and they're accepted and God heals them and God restores them. And it is a unique it's like, I call it the DNA of this body. It's unique, guys. It isn't, all, it isn't everywhere. And many of you have come from different parts of this country, and, and so you've been at different parts of different churches. But this church is absolutely unique. And I want to share something with you all. I wrote it out because I don't want you to forget it. It is... Um, I was turned on to the U version um, from this church. Never even heard of the U version until this church, but I have so thoroughly enjoyed everything that the U version um, app offers. But I wanted to share um, this, and I'm going to read it because, and, and as the Holy Spirit stops me, where well, I'm going to plug some stuff. But this right here is the relational aspect of what it means to be a part of a church and when we make the decision to connect to one another when we lock arms with one another in the hardest of places and I, I I really feel quickening in my spirit that the church the church universal is coming into a season folks that if you're not connected to the body like you need to be connected to the body 
it's going to be a difficult place for you. We need each other more than we ever needed. It doesn't matter where you're from, if you're from the north, if you're from the south, if you're black, white, yellow, purple, green. It doesn't matter. We need one another like we have never needed one another before. So I want to read this. One of the crucial elements that are required for building a strong spirit is being committed to church and to fellowship with other believers. Do not ever develop the bad habit of being out of the habit of going to church. I've heard over the years, I've heard so many people say, well, I don't really need to be in the church. The church is, it's just full of hypocrites. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they're going to judge me. They're, they're going, and unfortunately, there are there experiences where people have come in being judged. So I, I don't disagree with that. But the fact that we'll come up with many different excuses for not going to church. I heard our pastor say something Wednesday, and I don't know if. <laughs> Thank you very much. He said, he said, I can say this because I'm the pastor. He said, on Wednesdays, he said, on Sunday mornings, I see lots of faces. But on Wednesday, I don't see that many faces. I want to tell you what God is doing here on Wednesdays is awesome. And it is enriching and it is food for your soul. That that uniqueness of being together and sharing the word and and breaking it down together, it feeds our soul. So we need that fellowship. We so need that fellowship. All right. So let me keep going. The spirit of God truly is present when his body gathers together and he will strengthen your spirit as you discover the joy of corporate worship. God loves his body of believers, and it is a delight to the heart of our Abba Father when we assemble at the home place. And that's what this place is. This is a home place. For, and, you know, I just felt quick in it. Some of us have not come from the greatest of home places. We grew up in, in dysfunctional homes where this father and mother um, were not sources of strength. They were not sources of guidance. They were not sources of leading. And we come to a place where we have that, and it is a healing place because of that in a very unique way. It, it truly is. I just can't seem to get away from that. God loves his bodies of believers, and it is a delight to the heart of Abba Father when we assemble at the home place for a day of worship. Studying the word of God and fellowship. Not only does he love it, but he loves it when we love it. The concept of church life and gathering together in his name was his ideal from the day Jesus went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit knew that we would not be able to survive as solo Christians. But we would need the overcoming resources that are presented to us when we huddle together in faith. And when I think about that huddle, I think about um, we were the ladies that went to that conference. Um, we have got this um, communication line that has been open to us. And the other day, um, one of the women showed where how the Roman soldiers would take their shields and hook them together. And it was almost like a turtle effect. And there was no fiery darts that were going to get in there. 
That's what, when we come together, that, that connecting one with another, truly connecting, not, uh, not like brushing connection, but literally connecting with one another causes us to be able to stand when we cannot stand by ourselves. But we would need the overcoming resources that are presented to us when we huddle together in faith. Never underestimate the miracles that happen on the inside of you when you choose to gather in his name with other believers. When the word of God is preached, you grow. Anybody grown, grown in this body here with the preaching? that? Oh, my goodness, yes. When you enter into corporate worship, the fruits of the spirit in your life are fertilized. In other words, when we are in the presence of God in corporate worship and we are entering into that worship, when we are, we are ex- escorting our Lord Jesus through the gates and we are lifting him up and bringing praise to his name, what is going on in your spirit, in your soul it is being fed. It is being renewed. It is being um, places that are dry. It is giving a, a nourishment and moisture is coming. And the anointing that is on this house in, in worship, I'm, my goodness, it is just, it'll, it, if you will enter in, it will take you into the heavenlies with the Lord. If you will enter in, if you will let go of the things that you walked in here with, the burdens you are carrying, it will, it will take you where your heart is prepared for the word that's coming. That's why we need to, to assemble together. That's why we need to be together. When you tithe and give in the offering, your capacity to leave a lasting impact Impact exponentially increases when you proactively decide to enter into healthy relationships with men and women who have chosen to serve God wholeheartedly bitterness and anger begin to pack their bags in fear we are hurt in relationship and guess what folks we are healed in relationship absolutely if you, uh, I'm going to ask you, how many of you have ever experienced a church hurt? I want you to raise your hands. Wow. All right. So how many of you have been healed in church? I want you to raise your hands. <laughs> That's what the body can do when it loves on one another like it needs to love. Amen. There are no perfect churches. Anybody ever been to a perfect church? I sure haven't, because there are no perfect people. If you get your feelings hurt at church, decide to walk in forgiveness and bless the offender. I would tell you guys, probably one of the, the hardest things that I experienced as a pastor. And, and I want you to know that I wasn't just a pastor's wife. I was also called into the pastorate. And this dear man of God over here is the one that confirmed that. It was not, it was not an easy decision. And I, I really did fight with it for quite some time. But the Lord laid it on my heart to believe him. And I tell you what happened. Being in the pastorate will change you. It, God uses it to mold the pastors. It, it, he takes away the, the rough edges by causing us to rub up against people that sometimes are super difficult. And I remember in particular, 
at the church that we started. We planted a church many years ago. And there was one sister that just had an act for creating chaos. Anybody know those folks? <laughs> they just, they just love to sow discord among the brethren. And this one had a really special gift for it. She just, she really just knew how to do it. Well, this, um, I, I was an, um, one of the things that I felt really strongly about was to raise up intercessors. And guys, she was one of my intercessors. And so we're in prayer one day, um, my group of my intercessors and some ladies from the community had joined us. And this woman had been doing some stuff, man. And so I'm sitting there praying <laughs> and the Lord says to me, go wash your feet. <laughs> I said, Lord, ah, that, that can't be you, Lord. No. <laughs> and I heard him say again, I washed Judas's feet. Well, folks, I will tell you that I was obedient. It's probably one of the hardest things I ever did. But what that did for me, probably really, you know, it, I'm sure, you know, I don't know. I never asked her about it, but I did what the Lord told me to do. And all that she had said against us, and she had said quite a bit against us, as I was washing her feet and my tears were running down my face, I forgave her and God cleansed my heart. So, yeah, there are people that are in the body of Christ that are broken people and hurting people hurt people. But just like this says, it is the forgiveness that sets us free. It truly is. God will meet you at church in a way that he is unable to deal with you anywhere else. Going to church is not legalism. It's not because your mama and daddy made you go to church. Teenagers, I hope you're hearing me. It's not because your mom and daddy made you come to church. It's because God loves you and he wants you to be a part of the body of Christ. But it is a healthy choice that will benefit your present and your future, I guarantee it. So being a part of the body of Christ, that relational aspect, that really the reason why they answered the call. And why, and I want to tell you, the birthing of a, of a church is a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. The enemy doesn't want to see this happen. And so he's going to come against it every way you can. Every way he can. So I wanted the, I'm going to finish this up with these four points that I want you, uh, the four issues that can help your pastors in every area of ministry. You can help by praying. That's not a cliche, folks. You know, it, we'll, we'll say that, well, we're, we're praying for you. No, it, by praying specifically, pastors need God's help and protection from the many unseen snares and tactics of the enemy. So lifting them up daily, asking the Holy Spirit to help you pray specifically. Now, there's some of you in here that know things that others don't know. There are people that are called to intercede for this body and for these pastors. And God has laid it on their hearts to call out the specific needs. Ask the Lord to give you what you need to pray for your pastors. You can help by understanding the professional 
and personal isolation that your pastors sometimes feel. You know the hardest day of the week for your pastors? Monday. Kind of reminds me of what Elijah, you know, Elijah and, and going up against the prophets of Baal and, and all, you know, then running out, you know, outrunning the chariot. I mean, can you, the, the physical aspect of ministering and being used by God, it is draining. It is super draining. And so on Mondays, it's one of the hardest days because they are physically drained. On Mondays, prayer needs to be heading towards your pastors every, every Monday. Thirdly, you can help by encouraging. By, and you all do this really well. I know I've seen that they'll come. These two are super encouragers too, but I've seen them, uh, people coming around you and encouraging you and giving you all words of comfort at different times. So being able to encourage, we have, we are called to encourage one another. And then fourthly and lastly, you can help by constructive involvement, using your gifts to minister in the church as only you can. To find a way to serve others. To find a way to serve the body of Christ. And truly to be connected one to another in the days that are ahead. So you've heard a little bit about what a pastor goes through. Whether that's a lady pastor or a male pastor and their mates. You've heard a little bit of that which is funny and that which is very serious. And we have wonderful pastors here. I think we've made that abundantly clear. When he was uh, this little toe-headed boy running around the church and getting in trouble and all that, you could have never imagined that he would have been a pastor. And he visited some of the same rooms I visited with his daddy behind him. But God has turned this young man into a wonderful pastor. And I would like these pastors to come forward. I'd like, you, like for you to face the congregation. Louis, I want their family to come around them. Okay? Adam, all of you guys, come on. Just, just kind of stand right here. I want all ministers that work in the house, Bill, Jonathan, some of the rest of you, I want you to come up and stand in front of them. Louie, I want you to go ahead and I want you to anoint them with oil. Yeah, you can anoint all of them right across. Now I want the body of Christ. If you love these pastors, I want you to come up. Intercessors, everybody. I want you to surround them. Pastors, I want you to look around you. Nobody sitting in the pews. They all love you. 
you're their pastors. Angel, you hearing me? They love you. They got you back. As we say in the military, they got you six. I want us to pray for them. If you're way back, extend your hand this way. If you're close enough, touch them. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this couple, this family that come to this place to minister your grace to us in a day and in a culture which has been stripped of grace. Father, they come. They bring that grace to us. They model that grace. They model your love. They model your kindness, Father. They touch us, Lord, with your love. And Father, we are a grateful people today. And we just lift them up before you today. And we pray, Lord, that you would touch them, touch their family, Lord, touch these other ministers. Lord, that they may do the work of the Spirit of God in the house of God in the day and the time in which we live. For, Father, we need such a great ministry as this to touch this city, to touch this county, to touch this state, and to touch this nation. Oh, Father God, you are the mighty and the holy one, Lord. And Father, we thank you even now that your grace is poured out upon them. Some of you others, pray now. Pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for a fresh anointing, Lord Father. A fresh anointing, Father. Even now, Lord God, let the power of your Holy Spirit refresh, renew, revive, Lord Father. Lord, you and you alone know all that they carry, Father. Lord, we just ask, Father, for your blessings to pour, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for those that you are drawing to this house from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord Father. The broken, Lord Father. The ones that are needing family. The ones that are needing relationships. Lord Father. Lord, we ask for the strengthening, Lord Father, of this, this body here present, Lord Father, for that which is coming, Lord Father. Lord, you showed us, Lord, that when we give our all to you, Father, when we allow the touching, Lord Father, of the Holy Spirit into our lives, into our hearts, Lord Father, that there is an increase coming, Father. We declare, Lord Father, the increase is coming, Father. And you are preparing the hearts of your people, Lord God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord Father. And we submit afresh and anew, Father, to the Spirit of the living God. Thank you again for listening to this message. We hope it's been a source of encouragement for you today. If you need prayer or a lot to support this ministry through giving, stop by faithrenewed.org.